0: look over at John 14. John 14 and we'll start there in a moment. Just went to Nashville, Tennessee. Started my country music <laughs> album on Friday. <laughs> Joking. And I preached down to Pastor Keith and came back yesterday. So I'm here. I'm not skipping out on you. Dad said, we can't both travel at the same time. That's not going to work. I just handed the church over to you, and now you want to start your traveling ministry. But uh, I'm not going anywhere, so I like being at home. I'm a homebody person. I like being at home in the great Hoosier State. I love Indiana, Hoosier Nation. So I enjoy being here. Uh, John 14 in verse 16. John 14 and verse 16, now this is red letter, so that means Jesus is saying it, so it's very important. John 14 and verse 16, it says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you, notice, but he will be in you. And I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Now let's jump down to verse 26. Still talking about the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things I've said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, let it not be afraid. But notice he says, I will send you the Holy Spirit, the helper. So we're going to continue our series today on The Helper. We started it last week, and this series is about the Holy Spirit, about the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit and the importance of the Holy Spirit in your life. So today we want to talk about specifically the title of this message is Power and Love. Power and Love. Everybody say Power Power. and Love. Love. One more time. Power Power and Love. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Power and love. So we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And let me say uh, some introductory things about the Holy Spirit before we get into the main part of this message. Um, We want to answer some questions about the Holy Spirit. Now, I've talked to college students specifically for a long time now. And help me know college students have a lot of questions. Can I get amen? amen? For good reason. Because they're growing up and they're... Trying to figure out, like every person does, you hit about 18, 19 years old, and everybody asks the question, I don't know really what I believe in. So parents, don't freak out if your kids ever say that to you. Because every person does that about 18, 19 years old, they go through tra- change, they go through transition, and they want to know, do I really believe what, what my parents told me to believe, or what the church has told me to believe? Even unchurched people question what they believe when they turn about that age, because they're growing up and they want to figure out what they really believe in. So I've had to answer a lot of these questions. I remember it was funny, Chad went with me to Nashville. And when Chad first started coming to our church, he was already saved, but he started asking me questions about the Holy Spirit when we went to the gym together. Now, of course, I already felt bad in general if you go to the gym with Chad Steele. (laughs) Can I get amen in the house of God? It's just like, why do I even try? Why am I even here? But me and Chad stopped working out together, not because he embarrassed me so bad, but because we talked the whole time and we never got anything done. So we don't work out together today. But when he first started coming, he had all these questions about the Holy Spirit. And I had been in church my whole life, but nobody's ever asked me a question about the Holy Spirit. So I was like, "Uh, um, the Holy Spirit's good, Chad. Um, I don't know. Um, He's good. You should have him. Um, He helps us. And I realized, I thought I knew what I believed about the Holy Spirit, but I don't know if I really did. And a lot of times, as nobody's asking us questions about what we believe in, we really don't question or even realize that we don't even have a foundation. We couldn't even explain it to somebody if they ask us. So, uh, Chad, help me grow in that area and understand why do we believe what we believe. Because it's important you know why you believe what you believe, not just I believe it, well, why? Why does it make sense and why should we care? People want to know why should we even care what you believe about. And so... um, He started me thinking about this because he would ask so many questions about the Holy Spirit. And I would just be like, "Um, I I don't know, Chad, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I've been in a Spirit-filled church my whole entire life. But we need to know why we believe what we believe. That's why it's important to talk about the Holy Spirit. Because if we don't, we won't have faith in what the Holy Spirit can do in our life. I mentioned this last week, but a lot of people are intimidated or scared of the Holy Spirit. Because they don't understand him. Nobody's ever talked to him about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit usually in churches is very vague. Can I get amen? Because we know if we talk about the Father or the Son, that makes sense to our natural brain. Because we know about fathers and sons, and if you say God the Father or God the Son, that makes sense. But when you say God the Spirit, that's a little bit different. It's a little bit harder to get a definition of a spirit compared to the Son or the Father. So we need to talk about this. Because people have been scared and intimidated, first of all, because they haven't been taught about the Holy Spirit in a sound way that they could actually understand. But also they've been around Spirit-filled people that are crazy. Can I get amen in the house? <laughs> yes. And so there's a lot of reasons why that has happened because of misunderstanding of the Holy Spirit. And what goes on top of that is I mentioned before a lot of King James Version Bibles and a lot of real time Pentecostals. Real Pentecostals say Holy Ghost. Like denominations in Christian church, they say Holy Spirit. But if you're Pentecostal and charismatic, you say Holy Ghost. Because it's on like that. You just gotta say Holy Ghost. Because you only use King James version only. Bible. Come on. If it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for you, right? He didn't use King James. Did you know that? So, real Pentecostals say Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. But they get that word, and really a better word is spirit, Holy Spirit. Because ghost, as we know, that freaks people out. Because most of us in here, which you shouldn't have seen it anyways, have seen too many horror movies. And too many movies on TV where the ghost was mean, the ghost was nasty, and it was attacking an entire family. And so, first of all, when you say Holy Ghost, say, well, I don't want a ghost in my house. I don't want a ghost in my car. I don't want a ghost around me. And Christians say that a ghost lives on the inside of them. (laughs) So they really don't want that. But notice it all comes from misunderstanding. And you know what? The enemy likes that, that we're scared of the Holy Spirit. The enemy likes it that people are intimidated to stay away from the Spirit of God because the Spirit of God is the only person who can help you on this earth. He's the only person that can help you fulfill the plan of God for your life. He's the person that God has given to us to complete the will of God. He's the person that has been given to us to help us do everything that God has called us to do. And if we're scared of him, if we're intimidated of him, we're not going to have a relationship with him. And we're not going to have what the Bible says we can have, the relationship with the Holy Spirit, who is a person, not just a feeling or a force. And so the Holy Spirit is not something to be scared of or intimidated by. Uh, he's a person and he is God. And we need to understand that because the Holy Spirit has come upon us as believers, especially in the Old Testament, he came upon the different men and women of God to help them fulfill the will of God, the plan of God, and to do things that they couldn't do in their own natural strength and power. You see, everything that happened in the Old Testament that was supernatural, miracles, healings, deliverance, all the supernatural things you read in the Old Testament, every time before something like that happened, it said the Spirit of God came upon them, or the hand of the Lord, same thing, came upon him. That was the Holy Spirit coming upon man to do what man can't do in his own strength. But we see that Jesus came, and we know he gave us the Holy Spirit, So now he doesn't just come upon us, he lives on the inside of us. So the Holy Spirit comes to do what we can't do in our own strength. He is the Spirit of God who dwells on the inside of us. I think that's one of the best definitions we could say. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? Because he comes to do what you can't do in your own strength and your own ability and your own power. You realize that's why the Old Testament is so frustrating. God would say, hey guys, do this. And they say, I got it, I got it, I got you. I'm going to do it. And every time, they would completely blow it. Sometimes the very next day. And God would say, okay, I forgive you guys. Let's make up. I'm going to give you a new set of commandments. I want you to do this, this, and this, because it's going to be good for you, and I love you, and you need to obey me, because it's only for your benefit that you obey me, and it's going to help you out, and they never could do it. Why couldn't they do it? Because they didn't have the Spirit of God to help them do it. And Christians in 2016, believers in Jesus in 2016, we still can't do what God tells us to do apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't live your life apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't fulfill the will of God apart from the Holy Spirit. You can't heal anybody apart from the Holy Spirit. You cannot deliver anybody apart from the Holy Spirit. You cannot do anything supernatural and in line with the plan of God apart from the Holy Spirit helping you. And I love that. He's called the helper. He's come to help us do what we can't do in our own strength. That's his number one job assignment. The Spirit of God is our helper. Help you do what? Help you do whatever God has called you to do. Help you get through any situation that you can't get through. Come on, you need to respond a little better this morning. Help you overcome any addiction that you can't overcome in your natural strength. Help you get past things in your life that you thought it would be over after that situation happened in your life. But the helper comes and helps you get past that, that you can't get past in your own natural strength. Because he's your helper. And let's be honest in here, we all need help. It's pride in us that says, we don't need help. We got this. No person on the planet has got this. We all need help. And I love it. God said, I know you need help. That's why I'm going to send you a helper. Because you're not in this thing by yourself. You're not in this thing alone. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit because you can't get through this life by yourself. I'm going to send you my Spirit to help you live your life and live it in victory and do everything I've called you to do because I don't want you to be alone going through this life. So he sent us the Helper, the Holy Spirit, to help us do what we can't do in our own strength. To give us strength and power and ability when our strength runs out, when our power runs out, when our ability runs out, the Spirit of God comes and helps us. I don't know about you, but you should be encouraged by now. Thinking about the helper has been sent to help us. The Holy Spirit of God. So let's turn over in our Bibles to Luke. Luke 3. Actually, let's go to Acts first, and then we'll go back to Luke. Guys, still here this morning. So the Holy Spirit has sent, and his number one job assignment is to be our helper, to help us do anything we're called to do. Help us to get over anything, help us to have victory in our life. The Holy Spirit has sent to be our helper. And we're going to read in a moment in Acts 1 and verse 8. But before we do that, uh Here's another way to look at it. I've heard people mention this before, and I like this. He said, uh, the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. The Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. I like it that the Holy Spirit's not just coming to give me goosebumps. He's coming to give me power to actually do something. Isn't that good? (laughs) You know, I appreciate the feelings we get when the Holy Spirit touches us. And like I said before, I've been in a spirit-filled church my whole entire life. I don't know anything different. I don't want to know anything different. And I appreciate the feelings and emotions and the presence of God when you can feel God's presence and you're touched by God and it changes you. But I'm glad it's not just a feeling. There's something beyond that and it's, it's great, and it's awesome to feel good, but it goes beyond that. God it gives you His empowering presence to do something after that happens. He doesn't just come on you just so you feel better. I mean, it's awesome that you feel better when God touches you, but His empowering presence comes on you to help you do what you can't do. So God's Spirit is God's empowering present. Now... We're going to read Acts 1 and verse 8. Acts 1 and verse 8, it says, But you shall receive power. Everybody say power. Power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. But notice it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, I know this is a very Pentecostal charismatic verse. We've quoted it many, many times. But notice what it says. You shall receive power. That's the first thing he says. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Because the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence to do what you can't do. Now, Before the Holy Spirit got poured out on the disciples, they were struggling, to say the least. (laughs) You had 120 scared people locked up in an upper room because they were freaking out because Jesus just got crucified. And so they thought, if Jesus, our leader, got crucified, we're all going to get crucified. So you got 120 people that are waiting in an upper room with the doors locked, by the way, Because when Jesus appeared to him, he didn't didn't unlock the door. He had to go through a wall because the door was locked, for goodness sakes. And Jesus appeared to him, and he said, You have to wait for the Holy Spirit because he's going to give you power. Because the church can't do the mission of God without the Spirit of God. And so that's why he said, Wait. Because those 120 early disciples could have left the upper room went down, started talking to people, started trying to heal people, deliver people, started trying to preach the gospel and save people, but if the holy spirit wasn't with them, it wasn't going to amount to anything. People would have just looked at him and said, "Okay," and just walked away. But Jesus said, "You need to wait for the holy spirit because he's going to give you power to do my will." And don't leave this upper room until you get filled with the Spirit of God because he's going to give you power to do what I've called you to do. So don't leave until you got him because you can't do it without the Spirit. The same thing applies to us. You can't do what you're called to do without the Spirit of God. Now, we realize in the context of this, they were waiting on the Spirit of God to come. We don't have to wait. He lives on the inside of us. But he comes on the inside of us to, first of all, give us power. To give us power. He came to give us power. Now, why does he give us power? Well, let's talk about that. Why does does he give us power? Well, the Holy Spirit, of course, is God. He is God, just as Jesus is God. The Father is God, Father, Son, and Spirit. They are three, but yet they are one. The Spirit is just as God, as the Father and the Son are God. And to be honest, the Holy Spirit is the one that we're in contact with more than the other two. Because He lives on the inside of us. So really, we're connected with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. The Holy Spirit is the person who helps us do what we're called to do. And so he gave us divine power. Now, this word power is the word dunamis. If I say dunamis, well, you learned something new, at church, today. Let's try it one more time. Dunamis. Now, see, doesn't that just feel like you got some power when he said that? It just, even in the Greek, it just has a you feel like you got power when you say that, dunamis. And we realize that's where they get the word dynamite from. So we're not talking about a little bit of power. You know, because there's a lot of people to go around on the world, so God has to just use a little bit here and there. Here's a little bit for you little bit for you. No, God is God for goodness sakes. Come on now somebody. God has unlimited power. He's not trying to just give us rations of power. Little bit for you, little bit for you. You know, if I help you, then I can't help the person in Europe today. You know, if I help you, then I can't can help the person or heal that person in Africa today. No, God is unlimited in his power. <laughs> and God has given us his unlimited power. So it says when God gave the spirit he gave us power and that word is dunamis which is explosive power. We're not talking about just a little bit of power, explosive power. Where the word we get dynamite from today. And God said he came and he sent the spirit to give us divine power and ability. This word power it could be mean ability It can mean might. It can mean strength. It is God's explosive divine power that lives on the inside of us now. well, I thought I would have got a better amen out of that. And God gives us his divine power. He gives us that ability, that might, that explosive strength to do what we're called to do. And notice it comes through the Holy Spirit. It's the only way you're going to have God's power if the Holy Spirit is upon you, living on the inside of you and upon you to do God's will. So the Holy Spirit brings divine power, not natural power, divine power, supernatural power that supersedes natural things, that supersedes natural strength, that supersedes natural ability. When you run out of strength, that's when the Spirit of God gives you strength. Come on now. When you run out of hope, that's when the Holy Spirit gives you hope. When you run out of faith, that's when the Holy Spirit comes and gives you faith. Because it's His power. It's His ability. And He gives you this dunamis, which is explosive power. Now that power is on the inside of us. And we could be honest today, a lot of us let that power stay dormant majority of the week. We walk around like mere people when we're not. We walk around like we're average and we're just natural people, but we're not. We have the Spirit of God, which is explosive power, living on the inside of us. Every day, everywhere we go, everywhere we walk, every, every place that we go during the day, the same Spirit of God is on the inside of us, and it's explosive power. God's divine power. A lot of times it, it sits there dormant because we're not in relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's living there, but we're not talking to Him. He's living on the inside of us, but we're not asking Him about anything. He's living there, but we're not stepping out in faith, so He has nothing to work with. And you know what? The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not going to force you or make you do anything you don't want to do. He's waiting on you. I think the boredom in a lot of Christians would leave when you realize that you have dunamis power. Explosive power. How can life be boring when you have explosive power living on the inside of you? When you're going through a horrible situation, Sometimes we forget for a moment. No, we have explosive power on the inside of us. We have God's divine power on the inside of us. Why are we discouraged? Why are we depressed? Why are we dealing with these things when God is on the inside of us? And He's here with divine power to help us get through everything we're called to get through. I know for myself, many times I forget if I get discouraged, I get depressed, or I'm going through something, I don't feel good. Sometimes we just walk around and we forget the whole time the Spirit of God's in us to help us, and we never even talk to Him. We never even ask Him for, for the help. We never even ask Him to move in our life. We just walk around like we got no answers. I know I've done it. How about you? When the whole time we have God's ability. His might, His explosive power on the inside of us. God came to give us divine power by the Holy Spirit. Now let's look in Luke 3. Luke 3, in verse 21. Now, we see that Jesus... Needed the Holy Spirit We mentioned this last week But Jesus When he was on the earth Even though he was God It says that he laid aside His divine privileges as God To walk as a man So really When Jesus healed people When Jesus delivered people When Jesus was walking around in this earth When he was teaching He wasn't teaching as God Even though he was He was teaching as a man anointed by God. He was teaching as a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, why was he doing that? Not just to show you what he could do, but to show you what you can do. (laughs) Because if he was a man anointed by the Spirit of God and did those things, then his church, who are full of men and women, who are filled with the Spirit of God, can do the same things that Jesus did. That's why Jesus said, greater works that you can do than I did. Now, did he say that or not? He said that. Now, how could we do that? Because we have the same Holy Spirit that he had, that's living on the inside of us. And so, yes, he was God, but he laid aside his divine privileges as God, and he walked as a man. And he needed the Holy Spirit in his life. So if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you need the Holy Spirit. And a lot of Him, to say the least. So let's see what happens here with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Luke 3, verse 21. Now this is when Jesus was starting His ministry. Now up to 30 years old, Jesus really wasn't doing ministry. But when He was 30 years old, from 30 to 33... That's when his ministry was, and that's where the Gospels are recorded. So we see, up to 30 years old, he wasn't just walking around healing and delivering people that we know of, because the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon him in that way yet. But something happened when he went into the ministry at 30 years old. Let's read what happens. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed the heavens opened and notice the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. So when he started his ministry, the Spirit of God came upon him to do what he was called to do. But before that point, Jesus wasn't healing people. Jesus wasn't delivering people. There wasn't miracles happening. And so Jesus himself needed the Holy Spirit. And so the Spirit of God came upon him. He's not a dove. Don't be looking for doves today. Oh my gosh, you see a dove. Holy Spirit. There it is. Pigeon. Devil. Dove. Holy Spirit. Crow. You know crows ain't right. That's definitely a demonic spirit. No, come on now. It didn't say the Holy Spirit was a dove. He descended as a dove. And a lot of times, if you read the Bible, the Holy Spirit is, is used different words or word pictures in the Bible, like fire or wind, dove. Those are all word pictures. He's not literally fire, not literally wind, but they, they're word pictures for what the Holy Spirit is. Okay? Just uh, we talked about weirdness last week. I don't want you to get weirdness. Start looking for birds. Holy Spirit, there he is. No, he descended like a dove and the Spirit of God came upon him and there's a voice from heaven that said, you are my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now let's jump to ver- or, to chapter four, still in Luke, Luke chapter four, in verse one. Now, in Luke Chapter 4, this is Jesus about to go into the wilderness and to be tempted by Satan. Now, notice what it says before he went into the wilderness. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led into the Spirit, by the Spirit into the wilderness. So the Holy Spirit filled Jesus and he went into this time of temptation. Now, we understand that when he went into this time of temptation, the devil was tempting him during a fast. So he was weak physically. He didn't have a lot of strength physically, but notice the Spirit of God comes to give you power to do what you can't do. And we see that Jesus resisted temptation for 40 days against the devil during a fast, not from his own strength, but it says he was filled with the Spirit. Can I tell you something today? The Spirit of God gives you power to resist temptation. There's one thing it does. The Spirit of God gives you power to resist temptation. And so he went to the wilderness and the Spirit of God gave him strength when he wasn't strong in his natural strength to resist the enemy. And notice it gave him power to overcome. And in verse 14, it says, then Jesus, notice, returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. I love that. So Jesus went in full, and he came out full. What kind of person does that? Most of the time, when people go through temptation and trials, they are struggling. They are barely making it. You see them at church. They are just hobbling along. If I could barely make it to the finish line. But notice the Holy Spirit comes to give you power to not just go into something strong, but to come out of it strong and better. Because he gives you divine power. He was tempted for 40 days with no food. How would we act after that? I get grumpy after one day of not eating what I want to eat. And I've been doing that this past week. Holy Spirit, help me, help me, help me. I know one day of trying to eat good food instead of fast food, I was about to throw in the towel. I was about to say, God, just take me now. Just take me. This man ate nothing for 40 days, and the devil was on his back. Not just a demon, the devil, in his physical presence, tempting him for 40 days. And he came out of that situation full of power and better than when he came in. Now, how did Jesus do that? The Holy Spirit. He relied on the Holy Spirit to help him through that. And notice he helped him through it. And he returned in the power of the Spirit. Notice the power of the Spirit. Because he came to give you divine power. Let's jump down to verse 18. It's all right if we teach some on a Sunday morning, isn't it? And this is Jesus talking about himself, quoting a verse that's in the Old Testament. Notice verse 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Who's upon him? The Spirit of the Lord. And notice, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to, pro- to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. But notice, Jesus couldn't do his job description until the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. And we can't do what we're called to do until the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us to give us power to do it. So if Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more us? We need him. We need to rely on him. We need to trust in him. We need to let him... Help us. Some of us don't let the Spirit of God help us. He wants to, but we're not admitting our need for help. And we need to admit, hey, you know what? If you're going through something, talk to him. Say, you know what? I need help right now. And that's when he moves in your life. Not you acting like everything's fine. Everything's good. I didn't say you had to tell everybody about it, but you need to tell the Spirit of God. Because he's called to help you, to give you power. Still here. So he came to give him power. So the Holy Spirit gives you divine power. Like we said, divine power to do what? Divine power to resist temptation. That's one thing. Divine power to heal people. To deliver people. To have miracles in your life. You can't do those things apart from the Holy Spirit. And Jesus couldn't either. That's what the Bible says. He didn't do any of those things till the Spirit of God came upon him. And then when the Spirit of God came upon him, he was healing people. He was delivering people. He was raising people from the dead. There was blind eyes opening. People were getting delivered. But that didn't happen till the Spirit of God came upon him. Same thing for us. You can't heal anybody by yourself. You can't deliver anybody by yourself. The Holy Spirit has to come upon you to do miracles, healings, deliverance. Let's look back at Acts 1 and 8. You getting something so far today? So the Holy Spirit comes to give us power, divine power, dunamis power. His explosive, mighty ability to do what we're called to do. So he gives us power to overcome temptation. That's one thing. He gives us power to heal, deliver, have miracles. And notice it's it's not us that is doing it anyways. We're not the source. But the Spirit of God uses us to do those things. But let's talk about Acts 1 and 8 again. Now this is something that sometimes has been neglected in Charismatic, Pentecostal churches. Now, we're going to talk today about power and love. I'm going to talk about love in a moment. And we see that a lot of churches like us, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we emphasize the power part. Shout the power down. We all up on the power part. And so maybe sometimes we swing this way. A little too much. And then you got a lot of other churches, more denominational churches, that swing this way. When they talk about the Holy Spirit, they talk about love. You need to love one another. The Holy Spirit comes to give you love, which it's all right. Both of those things are completely right. So they swing this direction. But we need to be very careful. We don't go extreme in one direction or the other. Because he came to give us power and love. His divine power and his divine love. and sometimes different parts of the body of Christ will just emphasize one part and neglect the other one. And let's be honest, when I'm going to talk about love in a moment, sometimes Pentecostal charismatics overemphasize power, but never mention divine love. And vice versa. Churches that are different from ours sometimes emphasize just love, but they never want to bring up the power part because they're scared of it. Are you still here? So we don't want to get in one ditch or the other because God has come to give us both power and love. And that's what we need to walk in as believers in Jesus, power and love. And so, in acts one eight it says, "But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth so this is this is what I said. sometimes people neglect this part of the power. The first thing that was written here about power was... The Holy Spirit comes on you to give you power to be a witness. First thing. Now, being real honest here, Pentecostal charismatic people, when they mention the Holy Spirit, He's giving you power. A lot of times they'll just mention power to gifts of the Spirit, power to pray in tongues, power to, which those are all, Right, And they're all true. But then they neglect the most important thing, which is being a witness. Come on now, somebody. When that is the main thing he said that I've called you to do. It's good that you have all these supernatural things happening, spiritual gifts and praying in the Spirit and all these things that are amazing, and we need to have those in our life. But if you have all those things, but you're not a witness, then what's the point? All right now, come on, come on. (laughs) If we have supernatural gifts all the time and things happening and nobody's getting saved, there is no point. If we prayed in tongues all week and we're always bragging to everybody, I pray in tongues, I'm led by the Spirit, I'm prophesying, I'm healing people, and nobody ever gets saved around you, then it's pointless then you're not doing those things for other people. You're doing those things for yourself to make you, yourself feel better. And so if we're going to be honest about the scriptures, the first thing he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be witnesses of me. And notice he said in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. He's talking about where you live. We could say in New Albany. In Floyd County, in the Louisville metro area, in Indiana, in Kentucky, and to the ends of the earth. He's called us to be a witness. So I want to make sure that we put this in proper perspective. Yeah, he's given you power to do a lot of different things. But the main thing is he's given you power to be a witness in your world. And if you say you're spirit-filled and spirit-led and you have all these things, but you're not a witness in your world, it's pointless. All right. Thank you. Appreciate that. (laughs) It's the truth. Now, I believe, honestly, in my heart, hopefully I'm not talking too open here on a Sunday morning. I believe in my heart those two things are not... Opposed to one another. A lot of times people try to put them in one category or the other. I believe if you pray in the Spirit, you'll be a better witness. (laughs) I believe if you believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you'll be a better witness. Because that's called power evangelism. Not just, do you know the Lord? Hey, I can get you healed, get you delivered, and you can hear the gospel all in one day. That's real evangelism. And so, let's not think in our mind that it's one without the other. But I just want you guys to be honest with yourself. Nobody has to say anything. Ask yourself, if I've been believing in all these things all these years, and I believe in praying in the Spirit, and I believe in healing, and I believe in the gifts of the Spirit, and I've seen it, and I've felt it, and I've experienced it, but how many people have gotten saved out of it? Because if there's none, then it was pointless. Because those should always lead to people getting help. It's not just for us. And notice that's the first thing he said. I'm giving you this power, but it's not just for you. It's power to be a witness and to help other people. Come to know Jesus. That's the most important thing. We can talk about the extra things later. Those are important too. But the main thing is you've been called to be a witness. And he's given you power to be a witness. You guys still listening today? So before we talk about love, let me just challenge you with this. I know a lot of us in here struggle with being a witness to other people. It's not that you don't love God. It's not that you don't care about people, but we all know there's fear that comes in and we don't want to speak up. We don't want to talk to people. We don't want to share our faith because of fear. It's not because you don't love God. That's not the problem. It's because of fear. Fear holds us back. You know what? Fear holds me back. Some of you don't know this, but it's easier for me to talk to all of you right now than somebody one-on-one. And why is that? It's fear. So I'm saying I need to work on it, so you need to work on it. And I know I can preach like this real bold in front of all of you right now and get in a setting where it's somebody I don't know. And I feel like God is saying, speak up, say something, invite him to church, ask him if they need prayer. And I'm just like, um, all right, thanks for my coffee. Bye. I've even had people before like, aren't you, aren't you the pastor at Church on the Rock? Like, aren't you pastor now? Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah, me? I'm a pastor? I mean, I only say it like if you're going to give me the pastor's discount, yes, I am a pastor. If you're asking for prayer, no, I'm not. So I'm saying if I can be that way, and you're thinking, I, I can't even see why you would be afraid. You're talking this loud and bold on a Sunday morning. But I'm telling you, when I get in those settings, a lot of times, I get scared. And notice, that is the enemy. That's not God. Like I said, I'm I'm not as bad as Peter denying Jesus three times, but I'll deny that I'm a pastor. Oh, pastor? Church on the Rock? No, actually, I'm the youth pastor at Northside. That's who I am. That's me. So... We need to all rely on the Holy Spirit. So let me challenge you with this. If you struggle with that, you need to start believing this verse. Start praying this verse. Start speaking this verse over your life. It's that simple. Before you leave the house today, you could, you could say that. Father, your word says that you've given me power to be a witness. And Father, I thank you today that I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to be scared what people are going to think. But, Father, notice you gave the Holy Spirit, which I have, to give me power. First of all, to be a witness wherever I go. Whether that's at school or that's work or that's in the restaurant or that's the coffee shop or that's the gym or that's the park. Wherever I go, God, you've given me power to be a witness. Now I didn't say power to be obnoxious. I said power to be a witness. And notice if the Holy Spirit's using you, you're not going to come across in the wrong way anyways. You're going to come across in the right way because he's going to give you power in love. So we're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us to be a witness. i tell you what, and I know some of you can testify this, Mr. Jim and other, others of you in here that have seen a lot of people saved. That's the most exciting life you can ever live is seeing people touched. Seeing people saved, people, seeing people healed, seeing people delivered. And notice not just seeing it at church, but seeing you're the one who spoke up and said it and God used you and they got saved and they got healed and they got delivered and you helped that person out. And notice it wasn't your pastor, it was you. Because you have the same spirit of God that I have and he wants to use you just like he's using me today. But outside these four walls, it's the same spirit of God that wants to give you the words to say. And I believe this with all my heart. Just like the Holy Spirit gives me words to say on Sunday morning, He can give you words to say Monday through Saturday. When you want to speak up and you want to help somebody, God will fill your mouth with the right words, and He does that through the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit comes to give us power to be a witness. Let's look at Romans 5 and 5. Everyone good this morning still? Appreciate you guys coming. Oh, it's 1130. We're good. We're doing good here. I won't keep you too much longer. That's a preacher joke, kind (laughs) of. Kind of. So he came to give us divine power, but he also came to give us divine love. (coughs) Romans 5, in verse 5, It says, now hope does not disappoint because the love of God, notice it's God's love, not natural love, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us divine love. God has called us to be full of power, but also full of his divine love. And the Holy Spirit is the person who pours the love of God into our heart. So that we can love people that are not lovely. And we can love people we don't like. And we can love people we used to hate before we were saved. Why? Because it's not natural. It's supernatural. And it's God's divine love. How could Saul, who eventually became the apostle Paul... How could he go from murdering Christians one day to saving people the next day? Did his feelings just change that quick? He had so much extreme hate for Christians, he murdered them, not just punched them. He murdered Christians and was trying to kill the church. But then the very next day, after the Holy Spirit came upon him, He started saving people, healing people, delivering people, and he loved people he used to hate. That's not just my feelings changed. What happened? The Holy Spirit came upon him and gave him divine love that he didn't have before. And it changed him on the inside. It changed who he cared about. It changed who he loved. And all that hate that was on the inside of him had to leave because the Holy Spirit poured out his love into his heart. So the Holy Spirit gives you divine love. You follow me so far today. Now here's something that I need to say. You say man you've said a lot the past 2 weeks. Come on now. But it's been the truth, hasn't it? We got we got to talk. We got to talk like this at church more. We need to get honest and really talk about what's really going on, what the word really says. How sometimes Pentecostals and Charismatics can be and maybe some extremes and things we miss it on because we're not perfect. So here's something about love. A lot of times, like I said, Pentecostal Charismatic people will overemphasize power, but they don't mention love that much. So they're, a lot of times, rude people. Did I say that on Sunday? Yeah, I did. A lot of times... I've seen a lot of Holy Spirit-filled people that are always talking about power and experiences and feelings, but they're not a loving person in their everyday life. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense because if He's really in there, He's not just giving you power, He's giving you love. So you've got to ask yourself, am I that way? We can't just talk big about power. And not walk in divine love. I know that Brother Hagin talked about this when there was the healing revival in this country 50, 60 years ago. He said a lot of those healing revivalists would get up, pray for people. There would be power. People would be getting delivered. There would be blind eyes open. There would be people that would get out of wheelchairs. Some of those same ministers behind the scenes were the biggest jerks that you could ever be around. Now, what, what's that all about? Now, we realize that a lot of those ministers' ministries were cut short because of that. Because, yeah, God will use you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you to give you power. But if you're not walking in divine love, you're not going to go that far. And Brother Hagen would tell these ministers, ministers sometimes that were more gifted than him, and God would use them. But privately, they were mean, rude people. Now, why would God use people like that? Because he cares about people. It wasn't about the person ministering. He cared about people getting healed and delivered. That's why he used them. But Brother Hagin would tell some of these men and women of God, you guys are not going to be around much longer because you haven't developed divine love. And if you're not walking in love with people, if you're not caring for people, that power's going to run out eventually. Can I be honest here on Sunday morning? And so we can't talk a big talk about power, but we're rude people. We're mean people. We're hard to be around. If the Holy Spirit's really in there and working in your life, love's going to be there. Divine love. Divine power. The fruit of the Spirit are going to be in your life. Not just spiritual gifts. Divine love will be in your life. Something interesting also was when dad first got spirit-filled, which was 40-some years ago, right? Close? Okay. 40-some years ago, we'll say that. When dad first got spirit-filled, dad came down from... Ohio to Louisville to go to seminary Now when he was at seminary Yes When he was at seminary He was already saved But he didn't necessarily Believe in the spirit filled life Or praying in the spirit Or laying hands on people And all the spiritual gifts we're talking about But he Got spirit filled Towards the end of his time there By reading a book About the spirit filled life And he realized once he read it, because somebody explained it to him, notice, in a way he could understand, in a sound way, not a crazy way, he realized, you know what, I need this. So he got spirit filled. And right before that happened, he tells a story, and a lot of you guys will remember this, but it goes along with divine love. Not just power, but love, power and love. That's what the spirit of God gives you. But he had went with several different classmates to go see a man in Louisville who was a spirit-filled pastor. And he was well known in that time for being a spirit-filled pastor in Louisville because he used to be Baptist, and then he was spirit-filled, and he was preaching the spirit-filled life, and he was laying hands on people. People were getting healed. Oh, my gosh, sounds horrible, doesn't it? But that's the way people were acting. Like this pastor had the plague. Like this pastor was demonic. And people were getting saved in his church. People were getting healed in his church. Like the book of Acts. But this is what happened when they went to go see him. This is right before he got spirit filled. When they went to go see him, he was sitting at his desk and he was an elderly gentleman compared to these young men. And Dad was one of them. So one of the guys... Who was just hardcore about, I got all the Holy Spirit I needed when I got saved. And just going at this pastor, just going at him with everything he had. Because he used to be a Baptist and now he's spirit filled. So he was just full of anger. A young man talking to an older man who's full of wisdom and the spirit of God. So this, this young kid is, I got all the Holy Spirit. I got saved. I don't need to pray in tongues. I don't need spiritual gifts. I don't need all this. I got it, and you can't tell me any different And just going at him. And the older minister said, well, if you have him, where is he? You know why? Because he wasn't walking in any divine love. And notice the pastor who was spirit-filled wasn't arguing with him. He was just walking in love with him. And so ask yourself that. If you say you have him, where is he? There should be some love. If you're always arguing, if you're always fighting with everybody, if you're always mad and mean and rude to other people. If you have him, where is he? And that's what I think a lot of people have asked spirit-filled people, is you're talking a big talk, but in your everyday life, if you have him, where is he? Come on now, I should hear better amen. I know I'm stepping on toes. I'm stepping on my own. So look, you feel better? I'm stepping on my own right now. So if we say we have him, where is he? Because he's going to come and not just give us power and supernatural gifts. He's going to give us divine love. And the ability to walk in divine love with other people. And notice that love goes right along with giving you power to be a witness. Because you can't witness to people you don't love. But he'll give you divine power and divine love. To be a witness. Last verse, 2 Timothy 1.7. Did you guys get anything this morning? Yes, so the Holy Spirit, He's our helper and He came to give us power and love. Power and love. I don't know about you, but I don't want one without the other. God has given us both of those things. I want to be a person, yes, who walks in divine power, yes, who sees supernatural things happen. But privately in settings outside the church that they say, not he's so powerful, but they say he walks in divine love. That's the secret to a successful Christian life is power and love. Walking in his divine power and his divine love. So 2 Timothy 1. In verse 7, I love this verse, a lot of you know it. It says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but. See, that's where the organ comes in right there. Mm-hmm. I said, but. Mm-hmm. I said, but. Mm-hmm. Okay, see, I don't have an organ with me right now, but I'm not going to make Daryl run up there. But notice, he said, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but, implying he gave us another spirit. And notice, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. (laughs) So God hasn't given us a spirit of fear. If you are fearful in your everyday life, it's not from God. And you need to resist that spirit. But notice he gave us another spirit. And notice what that spirit gives you. Power and love and a sound mind. That's what the Holy Spirit came to give you. That's what the Spirit of God does in your life. He gives you power and love and a sound mind. And it says in the word, perfect love casts out all fear. That's divine love. So, God has given us power and love. And notice, if the Spirit of God's on you, you'll have a sound mind. You won't be wacky. You won't be crazy. You won't be weird. You will have a sound mind. You'll think more normal than you've ever thought before when the Spirit of God comes on the inside of you. So, this idea that spirit filled people are weird and wacky and crazy and, and not thinking right, that's bogus to the scriptures. Because it says, if the Spirit of God's on you, he'll give you power love, and a sound mind. Did you guys get anything this morning? Well, come on, let's stand up for a